Welcome to the Speaks Exchange podcast with your host, Donald Taylor. As a renowned learning and development industry expert, as well as chairman of the Learning and Performance Institute, Donald sits down with experts from around the globe to talk business communication, learning technology, language, digital transformation, and engaging, upskilling, and reskilling your organization. This podcast is brought to you by Speaks, the first intelligent language learning platform for the digital workplace. Listen in and you might learn a thing or two. Welcome to the Speaks Exchange podcast with me, Donald H. Taylor, and our guest today, Jeff Kortenbosch. Jeff is learning designer at Inter IKEA Systems, or IKEA Systems, uh, based in the Netherlands, and it depends, I guess, the pronunciation on where you're based. Uh, <laughs> Jeff is talking today about 20 questions to ask before discussing learning objectives. That's a lot of questions to cram into a podcast, and I'm going to hold Jeff to task on that. Can we actually talk about all 20? We'll see. But Jeff, before we get into the podcast, please, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Thank you, Donald, for having me. Uh, I'm Jeff. Uh, as Donald mentioned, I work for Inter-IKEA Systems, which is the franchisor for uh, IKEA. Um, and uh, I work there as a learning designer. So basically, I uh, come up with uh, learning experience concepts that we translate into uh, actual learning solutions for our business and our franchisees. You managed to describe your whole job without mentioning the word content once, Jeff. Is that deliberate? Uh, I would say yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, content uh, is nothing without context. So uh, uh, I would never use content in, my, uh, in, in what it is that I do. And that may be a theme for the rest of the podcast. Let's hold on to that thought. Content is nothing without context. Jeff, 20 questions. Before we even start discussing learning objectives, that's a lot of questions. Where do they come from? So I've been around the block for a little while. Um, and uh, I think I've been doing this for like almost 15 years uh, in an official L&D role. And before that, uh, almost 10 years as just a guy in the business uh, being made responsible for training people in the things that we were doing. Um, so, um, and every time you have uh, a request, I mean, especially when I came into the job of e-learning designer, uh, people come to you say, hey, you're an e-learning designer, I want an e-learning. And then you have a discussion with them on what should be in it. Um, and <laughs> somewhere along the way, obviously I matured uh, and my insights matured and uh, I started asking different questions and they started to evolve uh, more and more. Uh, in the past couple of years, I've been really hooked into you know, the 70-20-10 uh, framework, uh, the five moments of need model uh, that, that talk about different learner needs moments. Um, and with that, my questions started changing. Uh, and I noticed that a lot of people uh, were always struggling to get from, hey, how can I move from they want me to make a training into having a meaningful discussion and seeing what will actually solve the problem. And the more and more discussions I had with people working in other companies and peers, I thought maybe I should just write these questions down, if not just for me as a job aid, uh, then just to share with others. So maybe it's useful to them. So you've created these over a period of time and these are yes. not 
abstract things. They're things that you've used, like in English, the phrases, use them in anger. It doesn't mean you're angry when you're using them, but you've used them for real. <laughs> yes. Used yes. For real. And, and, and you've improved them as you went along. By the way, Jeff's yes. mentioning 7 to 2010, five moments of, of learning need. So you'll be familiar with the work of Charles Jennings and uh, uh, yes. Bob Mosher and Conrad Gottfrieds. And we'll put those uh, links in the notes. So you know, if you want to jump off and find those, part of the resource we try to make available at the Speaks Exchanges podcast. But Jeff, um, 20 questions clearly honed from experience. They look to me like essentially performance consulting questions. Is it fair enough to say that's what they are? Yeah, yeah I, I think they come, they find their basis in performance consulting, in, in needs analysis, in uh, uh, probably uh, uh, some uh, learning objective analysis. Uh, um, uh, so yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a mix of different things that I've uh, felt that when put together in this really have helped me have a great conversation, help the customer, internal or external, think about what their actual problem is, what their need is, what will help. Uh, so it, it just drives a better conversation. And to go back to the first point, the example you gave at the beginning, what we're talking about is trying to avoid that conversation where you suddenly are presented with a client who wants something and you've immediately gone down a particular format of training solution. It's, yep. what, it's the 20 things you say before you get to that point. Okay. Yeah, um, exactly. And uh, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, you go so, okay, what I wanted to say is one of the things that I've noticed over the past couple of years that about 40% of uh, my, learning, my learning requests, my training requests get cancelled after having this really good conversation. So it's awesome. So that's 40% of my time, of budget, of people's time in the business that not being spent on something that felt like a training need but wasn't. Another 40% is, is kind of... Uh, it becomes more compact and more relevant because we are asking the right questions. We know, okay, we cannot address this part with training and it's something someone else in the business has to take care of, but we can do, we do can take care of this part of, uh, of the problem and address that. Uh, so your solutions become more, uh, more relevant for the actual target audience. And, I, and I'd say that about 20% uh, turns into actual performance solutions, uh, um, and, and, and that actually have a business impact. So the promise of the 20 questions is that you are able to focus your time where you're going to have an impact and stop spending it where you're producing stuff that isn't going to affect the business effectively. Yeah, and no, no just shoving content into the organization anymore. Right, okay. So we're stopping being, your phrase I always use, Jeff, is you're going to stop being a course factory and the other side of that is start helping the business perform better. All right. Yeah. Look, we can't even run through the 20 questions talking about them really quickly. So can you just tell me of the handful of questions, of course, you can never ask a parent who their favorite child is, but which are your <laughs> <You> favorite? Can. <laughs> okay. So um, I think they're all uh, equally good and they're good combined. But if there are just a couple of ones that I can... Uh, can highlight it and that's what always what I tell people to do as well if there's just a few questions of these that you can embed in your process right uh, talk about these um, so I'll, I'll leave out the obvious one about what what's your target audience like and that kind of stuff so one of my favorite all-time favorite questions is um, 
what does success look like? Close your why is, eyes. Why is that so important, Jeff? Well, what I've noticed in, in all those conversations, the moment I start talking about, okay, so what's the problem? So that, that's an important question, right? Often they don't really know the problem. Um, but when I start talking about the problem or the challenge that they have or the change they're going through, um, they have no end goal in mind. So somewhere along the lines, they quickly jump to the conclusion, hey, this thing is going on and we can probably train people and then we've got that nailed. Well, in reality, that doesn't work. So I really want to know more about what it is good looks like. Mm -hmm. So a year from now, two years from now, whatever, however long it takes, at some point we have solved it. And what do we see in the organization? How are people behaving? What are they doing different from now? And if you know that, then you kind of are able to reverse engineer what you can do from a training point of view and what you need to do from a motivational point of view and what you need to do from an organizational point of view. Jeff, when you've had conversations with people asking this questions, this question, what does success look like? What does good look like? Some people will know. Great. Okay. And for those people, perhaps, hopefully, it's a, a, we, we have something we can do. And if not, we'll, we don't. We'll come to that in a minute. Yeah. The other people. <laughs> yes. Well, what on earth were they thinking when they came into your office, virtual or otherwise, and said, we, I need a training course, but they don't know where they're trying to get to? What were they thinking? And what process do you go through to get them out of potentially a difficult position where they're asking for something without any idea why, how do you mm. help them out of that to a position whereby they feel good that they've, they've come to a good place, whatever that is, which it might be, we need training or we need some resources or we need something else entirely. So uh, there's a lot behind that question. And I'm particularly interested in the people who just didn't know what they were talking about when they came in. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, oddly enough, it, it, it's, it's the discovery of not knowing that, you're, that you don't know. Um, is actually that it's, it, it usually gives a, well, a positive vibe to the conversation because it's a really good question um, and it shows that I'm actually interested in helping them solve their problem. So it, it's not a big deal in getting them from we need training into, okay, but what does the solution look like? One of the other questions is, uh, um, do you have a solution in mind already? And they usually tell me a little bit about their training. It's my par parking lot question. So then they got that out of the system. They're still thinking we're talking about training. So that's when it comes before the, uh, what the success look like. And then they're already kind of at ease because in their mind, we haven't discarded training yet. We're just talking, okay, what does, uh, what does good look like? So I just want to, I want to go back there because that's something I was going to lead on to and you've done it beautifully. These conversations are not just about discovering facts, but they're about a relationship between at least two people yes. and the trust between those people. And by absolutely, by having the conversation where you mentioned training and getting it off their chest, because they had that in mind when they came in. And if you don't get, get it out in the open, they're going to imagine you're getting to that point and, and, perhaps not be open to listening to anything else. So I think it's a great question to ask about that. Yeah. What, are the solutions, what solutions do you have in mind? But how do you then make sure that you have a trusted relationship with someone whereby they are happy to listen to you, perhaps telling them that they're talking rubbish? 
<laughs> well, I wouldn't say rubbish, uh, but it, 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 I, I don't know. You're guiding them along a process, I guess. Okay. And what I usually see happen, happening is, you know, that, that light bulbs just turns on or the puzzle pieces fall into place. Uh, uh, and, and, and I've been in meetings where they say, okay, so I don't know what good looks like. I need to go back to my team and discuss with them what good looks like. Can we have another meeting in like three, four weeks from now? Yes, of course we can. Jeff, very often in my book, uh, in the interviews I did for my book, Learning Technologies in the Workplace, I interviewed people who were successful in implementing a learning technology and they would say, well, we did A, B and C and that was the reason they were successful. Mm -hmm. But very often I would see a commonality between the people I interviewed that had nothing to do with A, B, and C, it was something else entirely. And I think actually you've just demonstrated it, which is that your questions are important. That's A, B, and C. But underneath that, there's something else, which is your approach, which is mm -hmm. that you're approaching it not as an order taker, but mm -hmm. as a positive, supportive consultant who, as you say, is taking people through a process to get to a point that helps them. It's yes, a mindset exactly. thing. It's a mindset thing. Now, uh, look, we're, we're, we, we could do another podcast some other time about mindset. Goodness knows. It's going yes. to you know, that's, that's a whole different thing. But I think it's important not to forget it, that really the 20 questions in themselves probably are not a silver bullet. Wonderful though they are, they no. don't work if you're not using them in the right way. Exactly. No, it, it, it has to, you know, I think there has to be a, a, a true desire to help uh, someone with the right solution, right? And, and, you know, there are times that in the end they say, well, I want training, give me training, you're responsible for training, <laughs> go and do it. So you cannot win them all, right? Yeah. You have to, I always say it's a marathon and it's not a sprint, but you yeah. do have to, have to have the energy of a sprinter. It's something that uh, Henriette once told me. Uh, so uh, it, it's, it's, an, it's an important thing uh, to you know, have a long-term vision. Um, what I often see in suppliers, and I've, I've done a short stint <laughs> as, a, as an external consultant, uh, for for an agency, um, you know, often suppliers, you know, they 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 are pressured. They, they have to you have to be you know billable. They have to make money. So, uh, and if you bring a game designer, the solution will be a game. And if you bring an e-learning designer to the to the meeting, it will the solution will be an e-learning. So they're also selling what they're what they've what they've got an offer. And what I like to, is to do is just to take a step back from that. And see, okay, what will help us solve this? So anything, anything is possible. We spent and, about ten minutes discussing one of these questions. We're going to have to have a whole podcast series just looking at each of these <laughs> yeah. questions. But, uh, but uh, you know, I asked you to focus on the key questions, and that's got yeah. to. What does success look like after you've asked a bunch of questions as well beforehand? But you ask that question, and that establishes where you're trying to get to. And if they don't know the answer, you can help them. Yes. In the process of getting to understanding what it is. One of the other questions you ask is about performance being a, a function of ability, motivation and opportunity. Could you tell us more about that question? I can. The question comes from what areas affect the desired outcome, right? And, there, and I think I saw one of these uh, graphs in, in Katie Moore's blog uh, when she talks about action mapping and you referenced something else when we were pre-discussing this, Purcell and Boxall, I think. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of guys, Purcell and Boxall, who, who wrote yeah. about this in the early 2000s. And we'll get, again, references to that yeah. in the notes, Kathy Moore and Purcell and Boxall. Yeah. But yeah, 
And there's this really nice graph where you just put knowledge and skills in, in two quadrants and motivation, organizational barriers in two quadrants. And that's where you, where you, when you're talking about the problem or the challenge, say, okay, what problems do we have in which areas? Uh, and where we are responsible for, for learning, training, where you would focus on knowledge and skills. It's always great to see, uh, and, and like nine out of 10 times this happens, people are starting to write post-its and that they're putting them in the quadrants. And then you see all your bottom quadrants about motivation and organizations filled up with post-its and just a handful in the top quadrants with knowledge and skills. So mm -hmm. and then you can say, okay, so we can address this top part but you and your organization need to look at the motivational and the organizational barriers that are in place that are stopping you from uh, performing or you know, whatever the problem or challenge is. And uh, I would also say that, uh, Nigel Harrison, uh, you've described a particular technique there of, of having a quadrant, using post notes to stick into one of four areas. Um, mm -hmm. That would be knowledge, skills, motivation, opportunity. Nigel Harrison has a, a lot of work on that. We'll make sure we have that included in the notes section as well. Um, oh, and it is, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely right that, that people very often make what I call a series of steps towards training, well, if actually a course being the inevitable solution from mm -hmm. there being a performance solution. But on that way, you could branch off into many different areas. And, and some of them are that it could be a motivational issue, or it could be that simply it's not possible in the organization as it's set up at the moment to even carry this task out properly. So maybe nothing to do with exactly. Training. Yeah. Um, and I, I always say to these people, guys, you know what? The most important thing in all of this is always motivation. And I say this from a personal point of view. I very often lie in bed in the morning. My motivation is at zero. I literally am not even ready to get out of bed and do anything. And yet you've got to do it. Now, mm -hmm. your ability generally is not at zero for your job. <laughs> your motivation can be. So the person who gives you the motivation makes that possible. Hey, that's very important. Yeah, now, that's a way of getting around the discussion with a manager sometimes to say, is there a motivational issue in the team? Are there things which are really stopping well-able well, well people from doing their job properly? Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, root cause analysis. That's another thing you're asking. You ask people, have you done a root cause analysis? What exactly do you mean by that, Jeff? It's, it's really, you know, to understand what success looks like, you need to know what the problem or the challenge is, right? So uh, you, need, you need to have looked at what is going on in my organization. Why aren't I, why, why am I having this problem? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and seriously, and there's you know, great research about how to do proper root cause analysis. And uh, it, it's important that the, uh, what you're doing is, is, is important for the business. It's important for the performance of your organization, of your people. Um, and you need, to f you need to have figured out why this thing is going wrong before you can correct it. So there's two sides to this. There's the what does success look like? But mm. when you're asking yourself that, to take the medical analogy, you've got to treat not the symptoms, but the cause. Because if you're, exactly. if you're looking good is that the fever is cured, then simply mm. having a cold flannel on somebody's head is not going to cure the fever. That will help the symptom of the temperature, but you have to get in there and solve the virus that's causing it. Or whatever. Exactly. Uh, so the root cause analysis gets us to that point. Well, it, in your experience, though, Jeff, and I think in the experience of a lot of people, most people haven't done any form of analysis, really. They come in with a gut feeling that they've got a problem. They know they know what the, the, the cause is. So how do you persuade them to, to dig deeper? 
Well, I'm lucky to be enough now to be an internal uh, L&D professional. So I am, uh, I am there to help. Uh, what, I've, what I've found when, uh, when on the uh, external side, organizations were much more reluctant to say, yeah, we haven't done our homework and hmm. we've got no, re- no clue really. <laughs> um, but we're not going to tell you that because, because, uh, no, it may, I don't know. It makes us look bad, or uh, they're not so so keen to share that they have not done that. Because uh, when we offered, hey, we can help you with uh, uh, an analysis of what's going wrong, and no, no, we know what's going wrong. We need the training, right? It's it's uh, it, it it's a difficult part. So you really need to. Uh, it, it's part of the relationship you have, or that you're starting to build, uh, that they might feel free enough to do that, or if they're serious about solving their problem. Um, but often they just would see it as, as someone coming in asking X amount of money to yeah. uh, do an analysis to tell them what's wrong. Yeah. And I've just been in situations like, where they actually uh, uh, said, yeah, go ahead. And then when I presented, hey, this is what's wrong. Oh, well, we could have figured that out. Yeah, but you haven't. You asked me to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it is a tricky one uh, indeed, but an important one. Jeff, drilling down on that again, what is behind that question is the relationship between the person well between the people involved to ask the question and to be able to offer perhaps some tools to help drill down you have to be a trusted advisor you have to be somebody that they they see as somebody that they isn't it's not just that you're competent it's also that you're not going to make them look bad that's really kind of important yeah because what I'm thinking to myself is, hey, if, if, if it's just 20 questions, that's easy. Give them 20 questions on a piece of paper and that'll solve it. No, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. You have to have the conversation. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's not something you, you send out. Um, you know, I, I've seen people do that as well when there is a, a, a learning needs analysis or the minute you put it in, in, a, in a form, <laughs> they start sending it out. But it's, 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 it, it is a job aid, you know. Um, uh, I did a I did a course uh, <laughs> on, on consulting, and and um, this guy actually said, "Hey, I'm right. I've got these questions, and I've got them in my mind. Now, I'm I'm I don't know. I'm lazy. Uh, I don't have them all in my mind in the right order. I just got them on the side. You know, I, I've got these questions I want to ask, and I want to write down, and I'll I'll give it to you. Uh, so we're building a, a a business case together. I'm helping them build their business case for." Uh, uh, for their problem, for their solution, for the investment they're going to make to solve it. You're helping to make that business case. Just before we go on to my next question, how do you, if you're physically in a room with somebody asking these questions, sounds strange, but there's a method to my madness here. <laughs> what is it that happens in that room physically? Where are you in relation to that person? How do you place yourself to get the most out of that discussion? Uh, if I can, never opposite of them. <laughs> Physically, you're asking, right? I, think so. I, I, I was trying to ask the question in a way that wouldn't lead you to what I think is exactly the right answer, Jeff, but carry yeah. on. So I, I'd love to sit either uh, next to them or, you know, if you had a table, each at a corner, uh, but, you know, close. And, and, and one of the things, if, 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 I'm, uh, if we're doing next to each other, then um, you know, maybe I put my questions on the big screen and we're both looking at that and while having that uh, conversation that actually uh, works well too because then you're not, you're not in interrogation mode, right? Because yeah. um, that's not what I'm there for. I'm, I'm there 
uh, to help them with my questions. And if they don't know the, the answers, it's all right. It's not a quiz. Uh, <laughs> it, it is us working together on, on, on getting a, a good picture of what's going on and what we could do to solve it. I think you painted a description of a physical setting, which I think vividly helps people understand the importance of that trusted advisor role. You're sitting next to somebody, you're not have to give them a quiz, you're walking together down the path. Exactly. Okay, Absolutely. so Jeff, where can people go to learn more about these 20 questions? Where, because we've not given them the 20 questions and people are going to think, well, Don, <laughs> we, you've ripped us off for this podcast. I came here expecting 20 questions. Where are they? So where can people go to find them? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to provide some links. Uh, yes, I've are. got uh, my personal blog and I, I, I uh, write articles on LinkedIn as well. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll put the links, uh, uh, we'll make the links available. Okay, listeners, thank you for, for bearing with us, but the links are there in the notes. Um, now, everybody who comes on the Speaks Exchange podcast, we ask, we ask two questions. What do you wish you'd known when you started in L&D? And what are you curious about right now? in workplace learning. So I, I, I'm sensing I may know, may know the answer to this one, Jeff, but what do you wish you'd known when you started in learning and development? This, these, these questions are, uh, you know, I remember when I started out in L&D and it was when I was a, a junior e-learning designer, you know, I come from a background of IT, not of uh, educational science. So I was just, you know, doing it, uh, following my gut feel uh, so what are the topics we're addressing and you know I've seen plenty of online training and so I just did what I did um, if I had asked these questions I oh, my life would have been so much easier uh, I, I, I've built so much content <laughs> without context um, uh, and, and, and stuff that I know will never solve the problem uh, that was uh, that that it was trying to solve because I I wasn't clear on 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 how to get to that point I didn't know how to have that conversation yet uh, when I started out and and this if I would have this as a checklist that um, would have been awesome a great start. So I hope that this means that we've got people listening now who are saying uh, I don't have to go through the the hell that Jeff went through or just <laughs> production of great looking but, but perhaps not very effective content and now I can be confident I'm going to be producing stuff that's useful and helps people out. Great. Okay. Yeah. What are you curious about Jeff right now? Well, we hear a lot of talk about performance focused uh, training and learning and support uh, and adding value as L&D and not being a cost center, um, uh, not being a course factory. And um, now I've been, I've been walking around with performance support and that kind of stuff uh, uh, for uh, over a decade at least. Uh, and there wasn't any pickup then. The idea was really good, but uh, the, the actual pickup wasn't um and I, I see a lot of organizations are now getting an interest in, in seeing doing doing things differently and um uh, i'm very curious to see how fast that uptake is and and what and, and what that transforms into so so to just to summarize that you're you've been carrying the flag of performance for a number of years not many people have rallied behind it you, you, you're seeing people rally behind the flag now. Yeah. But if they're not, if they're not behind the performance flag in learning, I, I'd have to ask, 
what on earth are they doing, Jeff? Yes, and, and that's it's a, it's a great question. But you know, again, you know, I rolled into L and D uh, in a time where my technical savvy uh, made me somewhat of a specialist over uh, the people I had in front of me. Um, you know, a lot of people come into L and D roles not with a, with with that background or or with I don't know more traditional schooling. Uh, um, I was talking to uh, to, to Mike Taylor uh, last mm. week um, uh, at Learning Tech Day in Ghent, and 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 he said no, there are people who don't know some of these names that everybody in the L and D industry should know, right? If if we talk Charles Jennings, I don't know if you're serious about your job in L and D, you should have at least heard of it. Maybe you you disagree with it, but you you've heard of him right so there are not everybody is where they need to be and then you no know, we're all developing and growing in our roles um and and not everybody who's responsible for learning development and and and, and human performance uh, are where they need to be just now but so it's, it's a matter of time and I'm, I'm i'm truly curious to see with all the buzz around it now and the technology becoming easier uh, how fast the pickup will be, how, how the transformation will be. How quickly we move from, to go back to the beginning of the podcast, the idea that our jobs are about the creation and distribution of content, regardless, mm -hmm. that that's the focus, mm -hmm. to the idea that our job is about short-term and long-term performance. And yeah. in that, content is one way of achieving that goal, and there are others as well. Yeah, exactly. It's about adding value to your organization with what you do. If I pull IKEA, we've got 200,000 people. If I pull them out of work for a, a half a day workshop on something, that's 200,000 times <laughs> half a day. <laughs> it doesn't bear thinking about that's 100,000 days. Uh, let's say, let's say a day costs you, oh, I can't even, I can't, even, but it's tens of millions of euros that we're looking at there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and, and so, even if you're you're still creating a tr a training that uh, doesn't tick all your boxes, uh, but you're able to shorten it, uh, uh, make it more compact, make it more relevant, then you're already winning. Um, like I said, not every solution is a full-fledged business performance solution. We're we're, we're you know, it depends on where you work, but most organizations are far away from there. Uh, and, and some L&D organizations will even say, hey, this is not what we are supposed to do. You know, I, I've, I've talked to plenty of forward-thinking L&D professionals saying, yeah, I'm getting, uh, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of pushback from my managers and, and the manager above that, that what I'm doing is not L&D. Uh, so there, there, there are, there's, a, there's a movement, there's a change going in, in our profession, in the industry. And uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see where that will lead us. Uh, exciting times ahead, I think. Exciting times. Jeff Cordenbosch from IKEA, from Inter-IKEA Systems, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much uh, for sharing your curiosity, uh, what you wish you'd known at the start, and, of course, your 20 questions that you should ask before discussing learning objectives. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Dom. Thank you.